too. And I'm kind of like Jan. This uh, this passage is really uh, it's. I never dreamed it was going to be as evangelistic uh, as it is, but it is one of the most evangelistic messages in all of God's Word. So we have looked the first Sunday, we looked at that statement that they went out and invited all those people, and you remember what they said? They would not come. All right? Then the next Sunday, we, uh, we studied the message that when those didn't come that were invited... He sent them out to the hedges. He sent them out to the backwoods. He sent them out uh, on the wrong side of the track. And he said, just get anybody that'll come. So it was those that came. And so he got them all assembled. And then today we're going to look at this. All of them are assembled. And, and uh, so the servants are there. And, and uh, the, the, the banquet hall is, is full. I can imagine a thousand people. And nobody had noticed anything being out of place. But it says, when the king looked out upon them, he saw one of the guests that had no wedding garment. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, you I'm, guys, I am not easily impressed. And I am so impressed by your spiritual discernment today that uh, as the, the hymn spoke and as Jan sang, there was an awe that came over this place that ought to come over this place when we go into the presence of the Lord in worship. And there also ought to be an awe that comes over this, word, this place when the Word of God is read and preached. So I want to commend you this morning that I believe you came here in, in the proper attitude. And, and I just want to thank Tom and, 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 and Pablo and others that have made our corporate prayer time happen. I don't think this is any accident. I think a, a church that prays together is going to be a church that God blesses. So a man who had no wedding garment. And I will just uh, warn you this morning that your notes may not look a whole lot like my message because I printed off the message notes yesterday and I was still working on my sermon this morning. So probably the scripture in there and you can hang with those, but uh, if, if I get away from those notes, don't we're, we're still on the same message, okay? It may just look a little different. So the marriage of the king's son. Now you know that in Revelation chapter 19, it talks about a marriage feast of the Lamb in which Christ is going to have, uh, God's going to have a banquet and all of the bride of Christ is going to be assembled. Now, the thing that's a little different about that is at that marriage feast of the Lamb, instead of the bride being the, uh, the main focus, it's going to be the groom. Amen? It's going to be the Lord Jesus Christ that we're there to celebrate. So this is the marriage of the King's Son. I want you to realize that we've looked at the unworthiness of those that were first invited. They were not worthy to be here. I want you to understand that others were called in their place. And then, then today, and Jan sang about it in, in the song. Are, are y'all ready for this this morning? Get ready because today we're looking at the fact of this that the one that comes to the banquet without the right wedding garment 
there will be terrible punishment. I was just thinking, man, why, why is there not more preaching about heaven than there is about hell? You know why there's not more preaching about heaven than there is about hell? Because there's more said about hell in God's Word than there is about heaven. So that ought to, that ought to be something that, that really speaks to us. And, and, and I, I promise you, I'm looking for a passage to preach about heaven. So uh, we'll find it. Amen? Okay. So we looked at those who would not come. Then we looked at those who came. And today, a man who had no wedding garment. A man who had no wedding garment. This is interesting, and I want you to think as I say this word, it's going to come to your mind where you've heard this before, right? The king... When he talked to the man, used this language. He said, friend. He said the word friend. I want you to think about who else was called friend. We'll see that in just a minute. And we we come to find out that this man who had no wedding garment, look, he was bound and cast into outer darkness. Well, that's a picture of a couple of things. That means he was cast away from heaven. He has no part in the heavenly city, but he was also cast into outer darkness, into hell. Look at Isaiah 61.10. We read that this week. If you're a daily Bible reader, you've read that this week. Look at what it says. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Well, that's a hint. Where do we get the garments of salvation? We get it from God. It's not something that man can give you. It is of God. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, we also need the garment of salvation. We need the righteousness of God. Amen? Also this week in our daily Bible reading, we've looked at the New Testament uh, presentation of that Scripture. Look at Philippians 3, 9. And be found in Him. In who? Christ. Listen, Listen to this. We must be in Christ. And if we are in Christ, Christ is in us. And if we are in Christ and Christ is in us, I can assure you we have the garment of salvation. We have the garment of righteousness because Christ is salvation. Philippians 3, 9. And be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. If you think you can have the righteousness of, of, of God, the righteousness that you need, in and of yourself, you're in trouble. We have no righteousness of our own. It all has to come from God. But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And we'll look at that over and over today. So let's look at verse 11. But when the king came in to look at the guest. He saw there a man who had no wedding garment. Wow. So the king's coming to see his guest. 
is speaking of what Jan sang about. The Lord Jesus Christ coming at the last day, the, the, the judgment, and He comes and He looks out and He will thoroughly purge His floor of anyone that shouldn't be there. And this king comes and he finds one without his wedding garment. One. They're all assembled. And I'm telling you, this guy wasn't dressed in rags. Uh, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't obvious to anybody else. Are y'all with me? I mean, he, he, everybody else kind of thought he fit in. But the king saw that he didn't have what he needed. Now listen carefully. This reveals that the Lord will find many hypocrites on the day of judgment. Now, we are teaching some, what I think, big words now. You know, our, our kids in the toddler class, they don't think it's big words anymore. Uh, this is a omniscient inspection. This is an inspection that doesn't miss anything because the God of the inspection is all-knowing. He is omniscient. Wow. You're not standing before somebody with bad eyesight. You're standing before an omniscient God at this inspection. And just remember that there are enemies of Christ in the church and outside the church. At the banquet, the king will detect those that are not his immediately. There'll be no hiding. But listen to this. Those who put on the Lord Jesus Christ, who by faith embrace Christ, His work, His payment, His righteousness, who live for Christ, they have the wedding garment. They don't have to worry about it. So the question is, do you have the wedding garment? Are you clothed with the righteousness of God? Put on Christ. And by faith, not only put on Christ, but be living for Christ. Romans 13, 14. But put on who? But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So how do you know you have the garments of righteousness? You put on the Lord Jesus Christ and you're killing out the flesh and the desires of the flesh. Now, I want you to know that this shows that there will be an individual judgment. Y'all with me? There's national judgments. Uh, in A.D. 70, the nation of Israel was judged by God. That was a national judgment. But there are there are judgments, there is a judgment for every individual, both saved and lost. And that's another message I want to preach about the different judgments. But there's an individual judgment for everybody. I mean, I'm not going to get to stand up with Jeannie and say, we go as a, we go as a, as a, as a couple. Can't be dependent on your husband or your wife. Kids can't depend on their parents. This is an individual judgment. This is the great day of the Lord. Now, if you want to go home and read something really interesting, 
go home and read Zephaniah, the first chapter. And it's talking about the great day. So where do we get the language? Where does Christ get the language that he's using in this passage? He gets it from Zephaniah. And I've just got Zephaniah 1.7 there for you to look at. Look at what it says. Be silent before the Lord, for the day of the Lord is near. Jan would say, get ready. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his guest. That's the great day. But yet, Jesus says, there was a man who had no wedding garment. He did not have what was indispensable. He didn't have a love for God. He didn't have a love for Jesus. You know, that's really convicting to me. If I don't have a, a great love for God, if I don't have a great love for His Word, if I don't have a great love for His Son, if I don't have a great love for His people, if I don't have a great love for His church, that should concern me. So what are some evidences that I have this garment of righteousness, that I'm a Christian? I have a great love for everything associated with God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, especially his church. This man had not the righteousness of God. Look at Jeremiah 23, 6. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which... He will be called the Lord our what? Righteousness. The Lord is our righteousness. Do you have that? The Lord is our righteousness. In the days of Judah, in, in his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. So the question is, who is your righteousness? It's the Lord. It's it's Christ. He is your righteousness. We have no other righteousness if it's not the righteousness of God and the righteousness of Christ. There is no other righteousness. That's why it's so important to put on Christ. Verse 12. And he said to him, here's that word, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Wow. This shows us that those who have lived under the constant offers of grace and salvation. Now, I want you to think deeply about this. Those people who have, from infancy, heard the Word of God preached, and the offer of salvation offered over and over and over again. The, how many times did they send the invitation, come to the wedding banquet? Come, come, come. They didn't. So right now he's talking about those people who have heard the message over and over and over and over, yet rejected it. Those who have lived under constant offers of grace and salvation and continue to reject them, neither believing in the Lord Jesus Christ nor bringing forth fruits of holiness, will be without excuse on the day of judgment. There will, there will be nothing that a person can say who have heard over and over again the preaching of the gospel. He was speechless. This shows us that there are those within the church under the means of grace 
yet are unrepentant and still unbelievers. And we need to be ready, right? Now, what have I told you all before? If you're saved, I can't unsave you. And you all ought to say hallelujah, amen. If you're saved, I can't unsave you. But if you're lost, I want to preach in such a way that you know you're lost. King addressed him as friend. Now, I'm going to give you the, the, the other time that he used this word. Look at Matthew 26, 50. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. You remember that guy, Judas? Jesus called him friend. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. As Judas was a pretended friend... So was this one that got into the wedding feast. He was no friend at all of the king nor the son. People who claim to love Jesus and his church, but their hearts are, y'all with me, somewhere else. Their heart's not, your heart's not in it. Sometimes you move your physical body to be in it. But your heart's not in it. Let me say that again. People who claim to love Jesus and His church, but their hearts are somewhere else. You remember? Up, oh, one had just got a, a, a how many five pair of oxen. A other one had just bought a, a piece of land, and a, another one had just got married. They didn't have time to come to the feast. Their hearts were somewhere else. The Ten Commandments, two of them ought to really shake our boat. One of them that has the most words, I think I counted 97 words, speak about keeping the Sabbath day holy. You're kidding me. 97 words of the Ten Commandments is about keeping the Sabbath day holy, and we just counted another day. If it happens to be that we might be in church, we're good. And the other one is, you shall not make for yourselves any idols. Those are the two with the most words. What had, that, what had that, those five yoke of oxen become? What did that piece of property become? What did that new wife become? An idol. Our hearts must be focused on Almighty God. And listen, Y'all listen closely. I think we need to be careful about praying prayers. <clears throat> Look, there are some things that when we pray, God's going to hear and He's going to answer. Amen? Well, when we pray that God would give us a great heart of love for Him, He's going to answer the prayer. We've just got to gumption it up to pray it. Amen? Because sometimes we love that stuff of the world, don't we? Well, sure we do. We're all susceptible to idols. So, so Jesus might have, might have asked this guy, or not Jesus, the, the king might have asked this guy, did, did the keeper of the door not give you the right dress? <laughs> but you know what? He didn't even scold the servants. You know what? That's kind of relief to me. Amen. Preachers of the gospel. 
I mean, we may not get it right, but he's not going to scold anybody that preaches the full, full counsel of God's Word. He's not going to scold them for people not coming. Or people who come outwardly but don't come with their heart. That's not going to be on me. Now, if I didn't preach to you guys the truth, if I didn't tell you about death, burial, resurrection, judgment, eternity, if I didn't tell you about Christ and Christ's righteousness, it might be on me. But he didn't scold the servants. And let me tell you, that friend, that one he called friend, not brother, not son, not child, but friend will have nothing to say. Verse 13, Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. He had spoken with his actions. I'm talking about this man without the wedding garment. He had said, I'm a free man and I'll do as I please. says, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. Take him outside. Mm. Outside of the heavenly city. Matthew 13, 49. So it will be at the end of the age the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous. not having by true faith received Christ as their Savior, not bringing forth the fruits of true repentance and holiness. These will get nothing by their being within the local church and ex externally called. They'll get nothing for their presence. They'll get nothing for their coming if there's not been a heart change. So our prayer this morning would be, Oh God, have mercy on us and save us from such a fearful state. Don't let me go there, Lord. Verse 14. For many are called, but few are chosen. All who hear the gospel are the called. Remember that one's invited to come? They, they all heard the outward call. But all outward calls would, do not come with the power to respond. Look at the scripture, Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. I believe it says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. If you come, look at the next scripture. If you come, it was not by your own will that you came. You were drawn by Almighty God. Think about that scripture that just uh, ought to wear us out. It's twice in chapter 6, and some of you know where I'm going already. 644, listen to what it says. No one can come to me. Do what? No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. 665, you want it, you want it again in the same chapter? Almost word for word. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it's granted him by my Father. 
So John 1, 13. So if you're born again, if you've come to God, if you're truly a believer, you didn't do it on your own. You were drawn by Almighty God. And somebody say amen. John 1, 13, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of... You remember that Ephesian scripture? You were following the prince of this world. You were following the course of this world. Uh, you were a, a, a child of wrath. Remember that? But then verse 4 of Ephesians 2 says, But God, doing what? Being rich in mercy. Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, made us alive together with Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that you can take a dead man and make him alive. The results are that many missed the wedding feast. How many got the invitation? Hundreds got the invitation. But they missed it. The gospel's preached to many who do not have the special grace of God so they can receive it, be, conserved, be converted, and be saved. So the first part of this parable hints as to why they did not come. Jan sang about it. She's got another song that they were dancing and, you know, at the flood came, they were having all this big party and all this going on, and they missed it, right? So the first part of the parable shows us why they didn't come. They were distracted by the cares of this world. Young people, adults, don't be so distracted by everything here that you miss there. But the second part of the parable really reveals what was going on. Y'all ready for this? The latter parable shows the true reason why not many are saved. You don't think I get discouraged going to go where I go every Monday and Tuesday and preaching the gospel and not, be, not seeing many saved? Is that not discouraging? Absolutely it's discouraging. But I just got to look at the scripture, right? All I'm required to do is preach the gospel. It's God's work to draw them. So the latter part of the parable, so those who would not come, they were distracted, right? Now listen to this. The latter part of the parable shows the true reason why not many are saved. Because few are chosen. What's the scripture say? For many are Call, but few are. But what do we do? Preach the gospel. Go everywhere and preach the gospel. So this morning, the man who had no wedding garment. Verse 11 again, but when the king came to look at the guest, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. It looks like this parable's over, right? I mean, he's done, he's done with the parable. But Matthew's not quite finished yet. And I am so glad that he didn't finish because this is so important. Bind him hand and foot, cast him into the outer darkness in that place where there'll be a weeping and gnashing of the teeth. So what makes this wedding garment so important? I mean, he wasn't naked. He didn't have rags on. Nobody else noticed him. Why didn't he let him in? So having the right garment is pretty important. So what is the garment? It's 
Romans 3, 21 and 22. I took out Romans 1, 16 and 17. I think that was the one in which Calvin got saved through. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness from who? From God is revealed. From faith to faith, it's written, the righteous will live by faith. I left that one out. But listen to 3, 21 and 22. But now the righteousness of... Y'all can read that word with me. It'll be okay. But now the righteousness of... has been manifested apart from the law. Did any of us get the righteousness of God by keeping the Ten Commandments? No. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there's no distinction. The righteousness of God, the righteousness of Christ, a righteousness of Christ that God provides freely to those who repent, put their entire faith, hope in Christ and His work alone. That's how we get it. We put ourselves in Christ, and He puts Himself in us. It is putting on Christ and all that He brings. Do you have Christ? Are you in Him and His, He in you? If we have Christ's righteousness, we'll be able to stand before God and rejoice in our salvation. Amen? If not, we do not have the righteousness of Christ. We'll be speechless. We'll have nothing to say. Donald Barnhouse had an approach to evangelism. I won't speak a lot, spend a lot of time here, but I think it's good. It's kind of the way of the master deal and one of those kind of, kind of deals. If you died tonight and stood before God and he asked you, what right do you have to come into my heaven? Now, y'all look at me. Death, burial, resurrection, judgment, eternity, right? At any moment, we might stand before God and he said, why would I let you in here, right? That's a question you ought to be ready to answer. It's going to be on the test, right? It's going to be on the test tomorrow. You need to have the answer in your mind, right? Okay, three answers, only one I'm right. Many would cite their good works. I, I don't think that's... Uh, I don't think that's one that God's got to hear it. You know why? Because at that moment, those will know their mouths of Romans 3.20. I'm not sure you've got it. Y'all have that one? Listen to this. For the works of the law... For by the works of the law, no human being would be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. In other, other words, our mouths are clothed. At that moment, we stand before God. We've heard, we've heard the gospel. We're rejected. At that time, we won't have anything to say. But there were some people that might try running about the good things they'd done. A woman who Barnhouse met crossing the Atlantic said when asked, why she should be allowed to go into God's heaven, she said, I would have nothing to say. She was speechless. That's in reality how everybody will be who does not have Christ. Speechless. So look at number three. What right do you have to come into my heaven? Y'all listening now? The only possible answer is none at all as far as I'm concerned. In other words, there's nothing in me nor about me that you should have pay any attention to. It's nothing about me. 
But Jesus. Y'all hear that? You remember that? But God. You want to want to you know if you get to speak at your judgment, you know the first words out of your mouth needs to be but God or but Jesus. But Jesus has taken my place on the cross. He has paid a penalty I could not pay. When I repented of going my way, my sins were cleansed and my penalty was paid. When I turned from my sins and turned to God and to His Son, Jesus Christ, the righteousness of Christ was placed on me like a robe. That is the only righteousness I could possibly have without a doubt having no righteousness of my own. In other words, all we can plead in judgment is Christ in Him crucified. So, will God reject a person who comes in this manner? Absolutely not. But remember that the unrepentant and the unbelieving will be exposed. All who claim to be Christians and yet are not Christ. Did you hear that? All that claim to be I'm a Christian but you don't belong to Christ. That's not an option. You can't claim to be a Christian and not have given yourself fully to Christ. I am His. Hey, this is the second part that's really good of this one. I am His. Hallelujah, He is mine. They will be exposed and eternally condemned on the day of judgment. And they noted a man without a wedding garment. I'm going to read this one more time. I'm, I'm glad I'm going to be through with this, okay? Bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness. As long as we are in this world, there will be those in the church who are not true believers. But there will be no deceiving the judge on the day of judgment. Only true faith will endure the fire of His judgment. All those without Christ will be, found, will be weighed and found wanting. Only true believers will sit down at the wedding supper of the Lamb. Those who are not true believers will be stripped, will be speechless, self-condemned, hopeless, helpless, before an all-knowing God. All we can say. Matter of fact, I'm not sure this is not the best thing in the world that any of us can say. God have mercy on me. We're going to look at all of these woes of the Pharisees in a few weeks, right? You know, they talked about all the goodness they did, but what did they, uh, the the uh, tax collector, uh, what did they call the other guy? They beat on their chest and said, what? Lord, have mercy on me. A great word. Lord, have mercy on me. So, I want you to examine yourself today, right now. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, you, you know I'm not preaching to you. 
work to be saved. I'm just telling you, telling you this. Examine yourself to make sure you are in Christ and Christ is in you. You have given, not only are you Christ, but you've given yourself to Christ. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the what? Faith, faith in Christ. Test yourselves or do you not realize this about yourselves? That Jesus Christ is in you. Now I want to tell you. If an omniscient, omnipotent, what's the other one? Om, om, the omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent God, Christ, lives in you. Right? If that God lives in you, the kids would love to get them over here if I hadn't already put them all to sleep. They'd be glad to come up here and sing with you this morning. My God is so big. Come on now. My God is so big, so strong and mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so strong, so big, so strong and mighty, there's nothing he's not. The mountains are his, the rivers are his, the stars are his. If that God lives in you, tell me there won't be any evidence. And the evidence is you love him. And you love the Father, and you love His church, and you love His Word. So today, examine yourself. Death, burial, resurrection, judgment, then eternity. Let me ask you one last question. Do you have Christ in His righteousness? I love you guys.